the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. My special guest today is Dr. Ebony Blackman Humphrey, and uh, she's a, a, a wonderful lady that is starting a ministry here on 820 AM The Word called Clear Mind Radio, which will be heard Saturdays at 10 p.m. It's a call-in program. Ebony, welcome to Heart of the City. Thank you for having me, Chuck. I hope it's okay that I call you Ebony. You're yes. Dr. Ebony. Yes. You've got uh, Dr. <laughs> Ebony Blackman Humphrey, but yes. you like to go by Dr. Ebony. Yes, I do, and thank you. Yeah, well, <laughs> you and I have just uh, really kind of formally met, but mm-hmm. uh, during our meeting, I just ask you, you know, would you please do this interview because mm-hmm. you've got passion. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I love meeting people with passion because yes. because you know the Lord's when the Lord has burdened something in your heart yes. and uh and you've got passion, mm-hmm. he can use you to do some mighty things. Yes. So you're a doctor. I uh, am. You're a doctor of what? What do you do? Yes, so I am a doctor of nursing practice. Um I have my doctoral preparation that's specifically geared to psychiatric mental health. And so I facilitate the needs of individuals out in uh, the community and institutionalized settings that are burdened with mental illness. That's a that's that's huge. I mean, yes. especially in this day and time. And yes. you've worked at some area hospitals. Yes, I have. And so you've worked in a, a few different yes. departments yes. Uh, within those hospitals. Share yes. a little bit about yes. some of those. So I um, was working um, not under the doctoral heading, but as a psychiatric nurse at Harborview in their intensive psychiatry. And I was working across um, they, their psychiatric emergency department and some other of their psychiatric step-down units. And then more recently, I was working in labor and delivery at Overlake. And uh, when I tell someone that story, they're like, well, Ebony, you were uh, at the life end helping women labor, and then you're at the mind end, and they're curious as to how I got into either. And years ago, when I was a nursing student, I had always had a passion to see uh, women have children, being that I have a number of my own. And uh, when I took a position right out of nursing school in labor and delivery, I had a mother that was psychotic. Uh, She had just birthed a baby and um, 
was really having a lot of trouble transitioning from the laboring process and I went into her room and built a rapport with her and discovered that she had a 13-year-old son at home. She was practically a single mother because the father of the baby that she had just birthed was absent and she was very determined to go back to work just right after we uh, was scheduled to discharge her home and she had informed me that her 13-year-old son was dismissed from school and he was dismissed from school because he was suicidal. And just in my spirit, I just really felt compassion uh, for the baby that was going to go home to the brother. And I could just visually see the brother harming the baby and uh, was really burdened. And I said, Lord, you know, I'm just a nurse. What, what can I do? I don't have any authority. And at that time, the Lord just really burdened me to uh, write in her chart the experience, and I dictated it like a doctor in the chart. And I went home not really knowing what would happen. I just I felt that I had did all that I could do. And when I came back that next day, they said to me, one of my colleagues, she said, Ebony, I don't know what you put in her chart, but whatever you put in her chart, so many people have come in uh, to offer her services and were not discharging her. The doctors or the pediatrician refuses to discharge the baby home to her. And she said, you know, Ebony, and we want to give her back to you as a patient. And I said, you know, I don't think that that is going to be ideal for her because I had broke that confidence, you know, for the safety of the baby. But at that moment, I knew that there was more to life. And I left labor and delivery and went full speed into psychiatry. So that's how you get those two things together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, as part of the heart of the city, we, mm -hmm. I love to hear the backstory of how someone came to faith. Obviously mm -hmm. the Lord, mm -hmm. the Lord speaks to you yes. <laughs> in your heart and yes. in, in what you do. Mm -hmm. Tell me about uh, growing mm -hmm. up and, and mm -hmm. how, how the Lord uh, brought you into mm -hmm. a relationship with him. That is an amazing question to, to, to answer. And uh, as a child, I was unwanted. Um, my mother did not want me, and so she put the responsibility of raising me onto my grandmother, who was religious. I was raised Baptist, and so my grandmother would take us to church every Sunday. And I just remember that experience being so different for me. And, and when I say it being different for me, all the kids would, you know, we would run around the church and we would play. But when it came to where the pulpit was, I did not want to play near it. Um, and the reason why I didn't want to play near it was because I saw it as so holy, mm. you know, that I couldn't tell you why, you know, but we would run around the church and that's an area where I just would not play around because I just saw it as sacred, you know, and, um, and as I grew up, you know, uh, I had to be maybe six years old. Um, the pastor at the time, he did an altar call. And I remember as a little girl, no one prompting me or anything like that. I walked down the center of the aisle and I just gave my life 
psychologically to the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously you go through a process after you do that. Um, But I just remember just being led to go do that. And from that point on, I just developed a sense of prayer that at that time, I just felt like my grandmother was all that I had. And so we would drive over an overpass every Sunday and there would be a peak at the overpass. And when we would get to the peak of the overpass in my childlike mind, I felt like that was the highest I could get to God. And so I would pray every time we would get to the overpass, the peak of it. And I would say, Lord, keep my grandmother alive, you know, long enough until I become an adult. And then, you know, weeks would pass and I would change the prayer. And I would say, Lord, keep her alive long enough for me, you know, to have a family. And I would just, every time I would get to that high place, I would pray. And so growing up, you know, uh, she developed Alzheimer's. Mm. And she started to lose her memory. And I, and I saw it physically, what it was doing to her. And... Um, as I continue to, you know, grow and get through high school, when I turned eight, well, I was 17, and I was getting ready to graduate, and I left for college, and that's when everything fell apart. She went into the nursing home. Um, my sister couldn't stay there. When I went to college, it all fell apart. And um, so she went into the nursing home, And, you know, she started to deteriorate to the point where, you know, she needed all-around care. And I believe I was on baby number four. And I was pregnant with baby number four. Or no, maybe baby number five. And that's when he, he said, go see your grandmother. And when I went to go see her, um, she was on her deathbed. And I just remember crying, pouring out. And um, he said to me, stand in the gap for her. So as she's there with tubes and um, just fluid, and she was a dematist, just generalized, you know, edema. And I held her hand, and I began to pray, you know, Lord, forgive her for everything that she has done wrong, Lord, the things that I know that she did. And she started jumping in my hand because you know, the scripture is as such that though our outer man perishes away, our inner man is being renewed. Mm -hmm. And so I started to pray, just asking him to just forgive her. And she was just jumping in my hand. And so they said, we're going to take her off of life support. And, um, and I said, you know, Lord, she will starve to death because she was getting two feedings. And I just went to my hotel and I just started pouring out to him and crying. You know, Lord, she raised me. She did not have to do that and just was really pouring out to him. And uh, my uncle thought that she would not, she would die instantly. And she lived, that they had to put her back on her feeding tube. And, um, and as I, and I, I was, was seeking him and praying. And I remember posting on Facebook, I said, you know, we will only go because he takes his spirit away. And I said, Lord, we don't need your intervention. Father, I'm asking you that if it's her time to go, that you will take your spirit away from her and that she will fall to sleep. 
And July 7th, I got a call. They said, your grandmother has fell asleep. Hmm. She went, all the fluid had the edema. She went down to her normal size. And they said, my auntie, my great auntie, which is her sister, she says, I'm right here at her bedside. And she only looks asleep. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Isn't the Lord good? He's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So during that time of striving after God and mm-hmm. praying for him, what was he doing in your own heart? Yeah, you know, he was just really resurrecting in me the truth of who he is, you know. Like when Jara's daughter was sick and they were coming to Jesus, wanting him to so abruptly leave from what he was doing and to go and to attend to something that they felt was just life-threatening. And Jesus said she's asleep, but they didn't understand that. They couldn't gravitate toward who they were talking to, you know. Even when he went to the tomb of Lazarus, he said, I am the resurrection life, you know, Mm -hmm. saying your, your understanding is limited. You know, so what he was doing was just birthing a hope in me that he is who he says he is. <laughs> yeah. So what happened next? So, so in that moment, mm-hmm. so I drive to, which I lived an hour and something away, but they, they had already came and got her body. And I said, and I just remember, you know, just, just feeling resolve in my spirit. And I just said, Lord, I want her to look beautiful. And so he led me to go to the store to get her a dress, a pretty dress, and to get her um, a, a, a wig to put on her head. And, and so I obeyed God, and my cousin came and got her jewelry. And I gave it to my uncle and took it to the funeral home. And um, not really knowing, like, what this was going to entail, you know, because she was like a rock in my life, mm-hmm. you know. And so when we got to the funeral home, when it was time uh, to say goodbye, they said, Ebony, you know, we want you to speak. So I wrote a poem. God gave me a poem. And um, when we entered into where her body was, she had never looked so beautiful. That That's what people, they says, wow. And they were... T- <laughs> They were laughing because my great auntie who was there, they said, wow, she looks better than you. <laughs> <laughs> so you couldn't, and, the, and my childhood pastor, he preached a message, just spirit-filled message that I had never witnessed him ever preach like that before, of her just being asleep. Mm-hmm. And he says, the Lord does not have to rush to her attention. Because at any time, he can blow on her, and she'll wake up. And just that resolve, like, it's not over. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, Grandma, I'll see you again. Mm-hmm. And that was like it. Yeah. So the Lord really did an amazing work in your own heart. Yes, he did. During that process. Yes, he did. Yeah. Yeah. I firmly mm-hmm. believe you had a praying grandma. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes. So after yes. her passing, mm-hmm. and then what mm-hmm. uh, what happened in your life? 
so, you know, I was already on the cusp of ministry, but then I just felt an, a, a deeper awakening, a deeper calling, you know, and, you know, that calling was, you know, I felt was to go to, you know, those who are straggling on the fence and just declare the power of a living God that when he says, behold, I have given you all power, you know, and when he said to Peter, he says, bless art thou, Simon Barjona, you know, and and that's a power that can only be found in him to rectify the human soul, to say that you have a savior that loves you so deeply, you know. And so I went into ministry and so I was going, um, I was at the inner city, I was in the inner city of Detroit and I was pregnant, full on pregnant <laughs> at this point. And I just wanted people to feel the love of God. I mean, I was casting out demons pregnant, you know, mm. I mean, just was just, he would say to me when I would go to inner city, he would say, um, anoint your belly, anoint your head. And I, and I would, uh, I would obey and I would pray over myself and it would be people in there that was so lost. And I would be like, no, not today, you know? And I just, you know, just, I felt such a tenacity to just snatch him out of the devil's hands, you know, because of what I saw him do with my grandmother, just such a deeper passion and commitment. Like, no, you know, I'm taking it by force, you know? Um, you belong to God. He made you for a purpose. And I just went full throttle in that, you know, and, um, but at certain points in my pregnancy, it was like, you know, sit down. Um, and even the pastor confirmed me. He was like, Ebony, sit down, you know, <laughs> don't get up, sit down. But I will feel the power of God, you know, the days where he would say, anoint yourself. And I would go in, you know, the Bible says, touch no man, um, suddenly, and, you know, but when, when I would go in and he would have me, you know, I remember this guy, lean Caucasian guy and the Lord, I was just praying and the Lord just had me touch him. And it's like, he got hit by electricity because he just fell down and he said, Oh, the electricity just went through my body. And it's like, no, that's the power of God. And I felt that power. But then when he had me to sit down, it's just like, okay, God. You know, something has clearly changed about me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wish our listeners could see you right now. I, because mm -hmm. your, your posture, mm -hmm. I, I just, the, the, the only word I could describe is mm -hmm. a smiling warrior. Oh, it's like, God. there's a, there's a, a position that you take when you're sharing your story. Yeah. That is a position of, of a warrior. Yeah. Praise God. Why you're smiling. So mm -hmm. I know that the Lord has gifted you with yeah. that passion and with that, yeah. with that story with, yeah. and that, um, that message yes. that you want to share. Mm -hmm. So then why did you choose psychiatric mm -hmm. nursing? So I chose, I, I just believe, well, I should, I feel just a prompting. My mother was the enemy fought her in her mind. Mm. And so when I started, I said, you know, my mother did not want me. And 
my mother, the, the enemy tried to make me think that my mother didn't want me because I wasn't something to want. But that's not true. My mother didn't want me because her mind wouldn't let her want me. Hmm. And, and so I ran away from that initially because I was focused more on the person versus the attack on the person. And God just really opened me up to a newness that I did not make her that way. You know, that's the work of darkness, mm-hmm. you know, and that I'm going to use you to tear down. So it chose me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now mm-hmm. you're Dr. Ebony Blackman Humphrey. I am. And uh, you're, you've got a, a radio program I do. called Clear Mind Radio. Yes, I do. And uh, tell me about that. Mm-hmm. W- what did the Lord mm-hmm. inspire in your heart mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. march on in this way? You know, just briefly, the scriptures come alive psychiatrically, you know. In the scripture, it says that those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, there's a physical thirst. And then there's a psychological thirst. And I believe that the more we come to know the power of Scripture to make us whole, the more we want Scripture. Because he said to, I believe, uh, is it Joshua? He says to meditate on my word both night and day. Was that Joshua? I believe it's mm-hmm. Joshua. Mm-hmm. Why would God tell you to fixate on something both night and day? Because he wants it to consume you. Because by his word we were made. By his word we came alive, you know. And, and his word can chemically cause us, cause us to change. So that's why Clear Mind Radio is birth, is to give people an understanding that there's only one thing that can fix you. And that's he who made you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've seen that. I had, this was many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. I had a friend mm-hmm. who, um, wh- his mind was blown because mm-hmm. of drug use. Yeah. I mean, if you met uh, Barry, mm-hmm. his, he could not complete a sentence. Yeah. His mind was so far gone. Yeah. And I saw him as, for me then, a mm-hmm. teenager. Mm-hmm. Watching Barry absorb the word in his life mm-hmm. to where his mind came back. Yes, it was it was a powerful yes. message through uh, just to see his mind come back together. Yes, yes. and it, it would definitely was the word. It, yes. it, it wasn't counseling that did Absolutely. it. Absolutely, it, it was the word of mm-hmm. God that really mm-hmm. did a, a an amazing thing yes. in his life. Yes, and so. Um, you know, as we wrap up here, we've mm-hmm. just got a couple minutes left. Mm-hmm. What is what do you want to have happen with this broadcast that you're mm-hmm. doing as people call in, as they share mm-hmm. their stories with you? Mm-hmm. What's your vision? My vision is for a deeper commitment to God, not just superficially, where he becomes your everything because you come to realize he is everything. Yeah. Whether the wind blowing, the sun shining, the snow falling, or listening to yourself breathe, 
He's everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if somebody wants to know more about mm-hmm. you, about your ministry, mm-hmm. about uh, Clear Mind Radio, mm-hmm. uh, you actually have a Facebook site that you want people to uh to uh, go on and Mm -hmm. and look at. It's called Crisis Responder. Tell me about that for a minute. Yeah, Crisis Responders is where we go on and we respond in the intimate setting of the messenger feature to people who are experiencing different crises. And then we try to share information about um, spiritual topics and psychological topics. Yeah. Well, Dr. Ebony... Blackman Humphrey, I want to thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. If you want to know more, you can go to Facebook. Crisis Responder is the Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. God bless. God bless you. listening to this 820 AM, the word special heart of the city. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, the word call Chuck Olmstead 206-269-6216 or go to the word Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.